Do Christians really believe that Jesus was born on December 25th? Does Christmas have pagan origins? And if so, should we be celebrating it at all? We're going to talk about these things and a lot more today on BibleStudyPodcasts.org, starting now. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us today. You're listening to BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Today is Monday, December the 6th of 2010. I'm your host, as always, Toby Logsdon. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope it's warmer where you are than it is where I am. Uh, our high today is supposed to be somewhere between 35 and 39 degrees, but thankfully we uh, we got our first rick of wood. That's what they call it, a rick of wood. It's uh, just kind of like a... I don't know. If you have a a pickup truck, it's like filling up the whole back of it with wood. And so we got our first one today, just in time. It is freezing today, but I got to tell you, I do like just sitting next to the fire and uh, keeping warm by the fire. It's a lot nicer than, um, you know, sitting by a heater vent and staying warm by the heater. I don't know. There's something about it getting to, uh, you know, the bitterness that you might have, you know, the bitter cold uh, that gets into your bones that fire can take care of that a heating vent can't. Anyway, uh, as you can see, we are covering something today that is going to require that we take a little bit of a break from our Romans lessons. Uh, We are usually pretty regular with our Romans lessons, but one of the things that I've been talking with you guys about over the past few weeks was uh, potentially going back to some apologetics issues, and what we were looking at doing was having a Q&A this past Friday. And I only received one question, and I'm wondering if it's because I just made it too limited. Uh, What I was doing was just trying to get a Bible verse or a passage that you guys were struggling with, and, you know, we'd talk through it and and try to work it out. Uh, But instead, um, for next month, we'll we'll go ahead and plan to have a a Q&A lesson next month. For next month, why don't we just say anything goes? If you have a question, email it to me, and uh, maybe we can, you know, put that for our first uh, Q&A lesson. So uh, anyway, my email is cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. I'd love to get back to doing monthly Q&A lessons if that's something that you guys want. Uh, I do think that there's a need for apologetics, and that's why we're doing this lesson here today. Uh, We're going to be doing an apologetics lesson, kind of a follow-up, I guess, for our lesson from a couple of years ago, uh, our lesson called Don't Myth Christmas. And that's still available. Uh, You can get it on iTunes. You can get it from our website. It's on there. Uh, That was a a good lesson, just talking about some of the things people like to accuse Christians of celebrating a myth, and uh, we're absolutely not. Uh, That's what we talked about in that lesson a couple years ago. So I wanted to touch on that with our lesson today, because over the past couple of weeks, I've received a few emails from you guys, uh, from listeners, pertaining to Christmas. More specifically, people were asking if I'm aware of the pagan origins or the pagan roots of Christmas, and if so, asking how I could dare to celebrate Christmas, and others simply asking if it's true that Christmas has pagan origins or roots, and asking how to respond to people when those people bring up the pagan origin 
of Christmas. Uh, one person accused me of kind of committing an abomination before God uh, by by uh, celebrating or by promoting Christmas. Uh, by no means is that my intention. Uh, for me, Christmas is a time to remember the incarnate Christ. It's a time that, uh, you know, that I remember that Jesus came down to reach me and so my opinion is this is a great time of year for us to reach out to other people. And as a matter of fact, uh, for our church plant here that we've you know been working on for the past couple of years, we had an outreach that we did on Black Friday. We went out and we handed out donuts to people who were in line at places like Best Buy and Target and Sears and you know places like that, and we invited them. Uh, everybody who got a donut got an invitation to come to our weekly Bible study. So, in my opinion, Christmas is a great time for reaching out to an unbelieving world, the same way that Jesus came down and reached out for us. That's the way I look at it. But with that being said, I understand, I recognize that there are some maybe controversial issues surrounding Christmas and, you know, whether or not it has pagan origins. So let's talk about that for for this lesson. Well, you can basically knock this whole discussion into two sections. The first is that Jesus wasn't really born on December 25th, uh, but that December 25th was actually the day of the pagan celebration of winter solstice. It was also uh, celebration times for uh, for many other cultures outside of Christianity, and December 25th was at the heart of those things. And, um, you know, the people who support this position, uh, you know, staying away from Christmas because it does have pagan origins, they say, um, they'll add that there are several Christmas customs and traditions which were originally practiced by pagan cults, things like uh, ringing bells or Christmas trees, things like that. And further, history tells us that in places like Scandinavia, there was a celebration of the Yule that lasted from right around December 21st through the month of January. Uh, Yes, that actually appears to be where the term Yuletide comes from. Uh, It was a celebration of the coming return of the sun, when the number of hours of daylight would increase. And of course, in a place like Scandinavia, where it's freezing cold, uh, they were eagerly anticipating the sun being around more often. Uh, In other areas of the world, there would be uh, maybe massive slaughter of cattle right around December 25th. Some superstitiously believed that doing so, slaughtering all these cattle, was necessary for more cattle to be born the following year. And sometimes that was done as a means of both providing uh, food, providing enough meat to get the community through the rest of winter, but sometimes it was also because they needed to eliminate the need to feed the cattle at a time of year when food was somewhat scarce, difficult to come by. Uh, In ancient Germany, December 25th was a day to honor, worship, and celebrate the pagan god Odin, whom they believed flew around in the darkness and determined, while he's flying around, who would prosper and who wouldn't. In ancient Rome, they celebrated Saturnalia around the time of the winter solstice. And this was basically a month of hedonistic indulgence, which was characterized by people just kind of eating a lot of food and drinking a lot of wine and being hedonistic. Around the same time, Rome also celebrated the birthday of the pagan god Mithra, which has some similarities, some similarities, to the story of Jesus. Now, these things are all historically verifiable. I won't try to deny them at all. 
Uh, indeed, December 25th has historically been a day of pagan worship and indulgence. The question is, however, whether the history of pagan celebration and worship on a particular day of the year is a reason for followers of Jesus, which we are, if that's a reason for us to abstain from celebrating the birth and the incarnation of Jesus on December 25th. Now, the second type of argument that you'll hear against celebrating Christmas is that many of our modern Christmas traditions are rooted in pagan rituals. So not only is the day a pagan uh, holiday, but many of the rituals that were pagan have carried over into our culture. That's the argument. For example, the hanging of the mistletoe is a perfect example of this. The mistletoe was viewed by these pagan cultures as being sacred, and the tradition of kissing under the mistletoe can actually be traced back to the pagans, who believed that the mistletoe's purpose, the reason we even had it to begin with, was because the gods had given it to us to increase fertility. Uh, the holly berries that we put on wreaths can also be traced back to paganism. It was believed that the holly berries were the food of the gods, and that by hanging it on their door, they would appease the pagan gods. Even the beloved Christmas tree does have uh, pagan roots. Many pagan cultures apparently believed that the evergreen tree brought both fertility and good luck. Uh, they apparently didn't realize that it's bad luck to be superstitious, right? Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, but ancient pagan cultures would also ring bells, superstitiously believing that doing so would scare away these evil spirits that were everywhere. These are all customs. These are all customs and traditions and rituals that we see in the celebration of Christmas in our world today, in our culture, needless to say. So the second question that we want to consider is whether or not followers of Jesus should engage in the traditions of Christmas, which have pagan roots. Well, first, uh, let, let's take that first part of the argument. Let's talk about December 25th. Do we believe that Jesus was actually born on December 25th? No. In fact, I haven't come across a single credible scholar, uh, theologian, historian, or commentator who believes that Jesus was actually born on December 25th. And there are several reasons that we can be pretty confident that he wasn't actually born on December 25th. I mean, yeah, we've got like a, a 1 in 365.25 chance of it being December 25th, right? Well, no, not really, because there's some evidence to support that it's uh, that it actually happened a different time of year. Luke begins his gospel narrative by telling us about a man named Zacharias, who Luke tells us was a priest in the division of Abijah. Uh, that's from verse 5 of chapter 1 of Luke. The Abijah priests were responsible for serving in the temple for two weeks, the week prior to Pentecost and the week of Pentecost. In the year 5 BC, which is the year most historians and commentators and theologians believe this happened, Zacharias would thus have been serving in the temple between the dates of June 3rd through June 17th. This would have been the time that Zacharias was told by the angel that he and his wife were about to conceive of a child. Now, we know that Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, conceived shortly after this time, sometime around the end of June, possibly as late as the beginning of July, but more likely toward the middle to the end of June. Luke wrote that, quote, after these days, that is, uh, the days of Zacharias serving in the temple, 
Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months. Remember that part. She kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Now, in the sixth month, that is, of her pregnancy, that's what Luke's talking about here. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. This is what we read in Luke chapter 1, verses 24 to 27. So Elizabeth is six months into her pregnancy, smack dab in the middle of, uh, of her second trimester, and that's when Mary conceives. Assuming it's a nine-month pregnancy, a regular nine-month pregnancy, it's not unreasonable to conclude that Jesus, therefore, was probably born in September of the year 4 BC. Now, another pretty strong argument, which seems to deny the birth of Christ in December, is the fact that the shepherds were outside watching their sheep. Once October came, and that area entered its rainiest season of the year, shepherds would keep out of the cold and keep the sheep out of the cold and the rain by retreating to places like caves and stables and so on and so forth. A third clue that scripture gives us as to the time of year that Jesus was born is the fact that the time for uh, collecting taxes in their culture was usually right around the beginning of the fall season, maybe the end of the summer season. The reason it was collected at that time of year is because, A, the journey uh, was, was cooler to walk. It wasn't too hot for people to travel freely. And B, payment was typically made in the form of a grain or produce. And with summer having just finished, this was an ideal time to collect on those things. So when Caesar instituted a new tax, he had no idea that what he was doing was actually fulfilling prophecy. He just wanted more money. So we see that it's pretty reasonable to conclude that Jesus was born maybe around September. The question we should ask then is, why do we celebrate the birth of Christ on December 25th? I mean, why that day if we think that it's more reasonable uh, to believe that Jesus was born earlier? Well, the answer is Pope Julius I. Around 350 AD, he declared that December 25th would be the day that the birth of Christ was celebrated. He knew uh, that December 25th was a special day to pagans. He knew that. He knew that the pagans worshipped their false gods on that day, and he figured that they could keep the day of their celebrations the same while changing the significance of that day, changing what they were celebrating. So should we, as followers of Jesus, avoid celebrating the birth of Jesus on December 25th? Absolutely not. And nothing should prevent us from worshiping him and celebrating the incarnation, celebrating his coming to earth to become fully divine and fully human any other day of the year either. There is no day of the year that doesn't belong to God. There isn't one second, as a matter of fact, there isn't one second in all of the universe throughout all of eternity that doesn't belong to God. To God. Paul was confronted with an issue which is kind of similar. Can Jesus' followers gather for worship on Sundays instead of Saturdays? After all, the Jewish Sabbath is on Saturday. And his answer was short and simple. He said, quote, One person regards one day above another, another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. That's from Romans chapter 14, 
verses 5 and 6. So if you personally, if you personally can celebrate the birth of Christ, the incarnation, with a clean conscience and with pure motives, there is nobody who can rightfully tell you not to. But if this is an issue that weighs on your conscience, and this is this is where we draw the line, if this is an issue that weighs on your conscience and you don't feel like you are capable of honoring God and worshiping Christ and celebrating the incarnation on December 25th, the answer is simple. Just don't celebrate it on that day. Either option is completely acceptable. The fact that December 25th isn't really the date of Christ's birth is really sort of irrelevant. There are sincere and authentic followers of Christ on both sides of this issue. There are sincere and authentic followers of Jesus who celebrate Christmas, and there are sincere and authentic followers of Jesus who don't celebrate Christmas. That doesn't completely seal the deal, however. There's still the issue of the traditions from pagan religions that have carried over to be traditions in our culture today. And actually, as I was doing research for this lesson, I found uh, that one of the arguments set forth by people who oppose celebrating Christmas is that the Bible speaks against bringing a tree into one's home and decorating it. I didn't realize that uh, that that was actually an argument that they presented. And what they'll say is, you know, that's what we find in Jeremiah chapter 10. Here we read in verses 2 to 4, Thus says the Lord, Do not learn the way of the nations, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, although the nations are terrified by them. For the customs of the peoples are delusion, because it is wood cut from the forest, the work of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. They decorate it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers so that it will not totter. Well, if we take this just by itself, it sounds an awful lot like exactly what we do with a Christmas tree, right? Well, it actually says nothing at all. This actually has nothing to do at all with a Christmas tree. How do we know? Because Jeremiah says, it is wood cut from the forest, the work of of the hands of a craftsman with a cutting tool. Is Jeremiah describing the process of cutting the tree down? No, he's talking about someone who goes out into the forest, chops down a tree, and uses the tools of a craftsman to sculpt an idol out of the wood. How can we be sure? Well, Jeremiah himself says in verse 8, but they are, that is, Uh, pagans, are altogether stupid and foolish in their discipline of delusion. Their idol is wood. So, nobody is breaking any Old Testament laws by putting up a Christmas tree. As followers of Jesus, we have the opportunity, we have the freedom to use the Christmas tree to remember that Jesus is the tree of life, and the star or the angel at the top can remind us of the proclamation of and the signs that surround Christ's birth in Bethlehem. Instead of superstitiously believing that bells will ward off evil spirits, we, as followers of Jesus, are free to use the bells as a proclamation or a reminder of Christ's birth and of his future return, and to remind us that we live in a dying, evil, and broken world that only Jesus can restore. Just because some ancient pagan decided that it would be a good idea to ring a bell to ward off evil spirits, that doesn't mean that ringing a bell in our culture has to mean the same thing. It doesn't have the same significance. Also, instead of using candles for the pagan ritual of driving away the spirits of the cold and darkness, we, as followers of Jesus, are free to use the candles as a way to remember 
that Jesus is the light of the world who came down into a dark world. Uh, Instead of exchanging gifts for the sake of feeling prosperous, we can remember that Jesus was the greatest gift of all to all of humanity. In fact, I think we'd be wise to be careful to avoid becoming overly materialistic in our gift giving in the Christmas season. Remember that the Magi brought gifts to the Savior rather than exchanging the gifts among themselves. I think that materialism often leaves the true significance of Christmas uh, somewhat obscure to a lot of people. Is Jesus really glorified and honored among us when you know we get all stressed out about getting somebody exactly what they want or uh, when we go deep into debt because we can't really afford to buy a hundred things for the people we love on Christmas? I certainly wouldn't think so. Uh, I would simply encourage moderation on the gift giving, on this issue of gift giving. If it causes you stress or if it causes you anxiety, if it causes you to not like the Christmas season at all, cut back on your spending. Cut back on your giving. Be a good steward with what God has given you. So the list of of similarities and ways that we can use these things to remember the incarnation and the birth of Christ, could this list could go on and on. The real question that we want to ask with anything is not whether God tells us to do something. Uh, the Bible is full of things that he does tell people to do, but he never says, uh, you know, turn left on this street or that street in the Bible. You know, the question is whether he expressly forbids us from doing something. And in this instance, the answer is no. There's no aspect of Christmas that is necessarily expressly forbidden, although it's possible for us to get so materialistic that uh, that we're crossing the line. So with that said, check yourself and just make sure that your focus this season is on Jesus. Make sure that your heart is in the right place and that your motives are pure. It's okay to desire to bless others by giving gifts as a reflection of the way that you've been blessed, and it's okay to celebrate the Incarnation on December 25th or on June 25th. You're free to celebrate that whenever you want. As Paul told the Corinthians, all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things edify. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. So yes, Celebrating the birth of Christ on December 25th is perfectly fine. Doing so doesn't mean that you're a pagan, and it doesn't mean you're participating in pagan rituals or customs. The questions are, and the answers to these questions will be different for different people, the questions are, does celebrating the incarnation on December 25th profit or edify you? If your focus is on Jesus, it certainly should. So hopefully that clears up the issue for you guys. I wish you guys all a blessed Christmas season. Remember that Jesus is the greatest gift of all. Don't be ashamed of celebrating Christmas. And you know what? This is just an issue of grace. Sometimes it's just best that we live by the old saying, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. This is one of those things. There's liberty here. There's definitely room for liberty. Anyway, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcasts.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This message has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcasts.org. We are a listener-supported ministry. If this is your first time listening to us, we thank you so much for joining us, and we ask nothing further from you. 
But if this is a ministry that you rely on for regular spiritual teaching, we do depend on your financial support to keep us going and growing. If you'd like to make a donation to BibleStudyPodcast.org to keep us going and reaching thousands of people around the world, you can go to our website, BibleStudyPodcasts.org, and you can make a donation on the right-hand side by clicking on the support box. Again, we do rely on your support, and we thank you so much for your financial participation in this ministry, which enables us to continue in our mission of teaching timeless truths in these truthless times. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening today, and keep growing closer to Jesus. Glory to the Lord, glory to the Lamb, glory to the